Welcome to the Broken Metatarsal, where we celebrate everything that Naughty's football had to offer. My name is Rich Williams, and joining me today, Planet Football editor Mark Holmes. Howdy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just was not expecting that. Try to be different every week. That's good. Uh, deputy editor of Planet Football, and a man who has now muted the WhatsApp group, which deals with organising podcast recordings, Rob Conlon. Don't think we hadn't noticed, mate. Hello there. Don't worry. I, I get a notification if I'm been tagged in it, and that's all I need to know. Does that mean we've technically broken you? Well, I don't want to say that. Personally, but um, it, my life is much easier now. So. <laughs> Without going bing, bing. <laughs> and our special guest is a comedian who recently summed up what it's like to be a Leeds fan by tweeting, anger, tears, frustration, fear, Saturday. <laughs> Welcome to the angry, teary, frustrated and fearful Mickey P. Kerr. Cheers, mate. It applies to Tuesdays as well. <laughs> <laughs> how, how dare I underplay it so much. How are you, mate? All right, good to have you back on the on the podcast. Last time we were here, we were chatting about uh, Leeds' run to the Champions League semi-final, but oh. we're non-Leeds related today, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, slightly Leeds related. In some ways, yeah. yeah. We'll get on to that. But uh, how's things been? All right. All right. Very well. Uh, can't complain. Uh, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, this season... The nineteen twenty season, it's it's killing me off. I think <laughs> yeah, it's, it's literally finishing me off, and uh, so that I, I, yeah, I'm a bit. <sighs> As you can imagine. We're like not in a great place here. Rob's oh, poor me, poor me. Pour me another drink. I'm only second in the table. Yeah. Have I been in an allegation battle, lads? <laughs> okay. There I is mean, that. I mean, someone's going to come to this in about five years' time and find this podcast like, when were they talking about what was going on there? <laughs> so you've been broken by the season. Rob's been broken by the Broken Metastars or WhatsApp group. But Mark and I, we're all good to go. Yeah, well, Mark's a Stoke good. fan. Broken. But we're actually generally broken. Moment. Yeah. General, yeah, just generally, yeah. general just breakage. Uh, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Football Index, the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money. Sign up today at footballindex.co.uk and use the code TBMINDEX to trade with a £500 money-back guarantee. New customers only, 18-plus, please. Of course, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, it is contact at planetfootball.com. And I've made a total rick on the uh, the first episode back for Series 2 last week by saying, it's almost like I believed the what we were saying in the first series, which is that we don't have at Planet Football yet, even though I said tweeters at Planet Football. Oh. But we're still at Planet it's Football. Football, exactly. yes. Football is the Portuguese way, isn't it? Is that we're right? Yeah. yeah. Because although um, although we've, we've tried our best to yeah. get Planet Football off the guy who's got Planet Twitter Football. Twitter promised a call. They promised. This. Pav got in touch with us on Twitter, yeah, yeah. who's been listening to the Broken Metatarsal, so saying he thinks he could help us out but as things still stand uh, we are still at planet football correct spelt oh god never mention it again please rich p-l-a-n-e-t f-u-t-e-b-o-l planet football and of course that uh, that reaction is the exact reason why i mention it every time. <laughs> okay each episode we dig into one element of the noughties from the sublime to the ridiculous today we go from sheffield to scarborough palace to plymouth queen's park rangers to rotherham and everywhere in between it's the manager that managed the most promotions the referees touchline tantrumy toddler it's neil warnock and the battle of bramble lane Footballers will blame the pitch, the referee, the conditions, the missus, everything but themselves, footballers. Uh, and what I try and do is look at them, look in the mirror and see if you have made a mistake. There's only you knows, but footballers have a mass, an easy way of passing the book, really, the chairman's fault or somebody else. You know what Muscat's like? He wants to get a response. I'll tell you something, should I? What? Muscat will not get a booking or a sending off because he's too fucking sly. He does it when nobody's looking. Yeah, he's a shit ass. So we don't retaliate, we fucking play. He wants somebody to go out there now and elbow him and get sent off. That's all, we don't do that. We just fucking stick in it now. That's a good sign for me, that. 
Despite looking like the victim, Paddy Kenny is sent off along with Newell's Kevin Muscat. Fucking hell, what's the difference? Fucking hell, we're away from home, that's the fucking difference. We're in London. That's the fucking difference. Hey, we're in London, aren't we? Yeah, I fucking die for you lot. Fucking die for you. Fucking hell, fire. Look at the fucking games we've tossed away. So I've got to bring the players in now, and I'm going to fucking do. No reputations. I'm going to bring the fucking players in. We won't be a fucking soft touch next year. I know that much. Some of you want to fucking look at yourselves tonight. They mind fucking going out. So obviously we're talking about Neil Warnock today. We've also got, from the Battle of Bramwell Lane, an interview with Eddie Wilsonholm, who was the referee who refereed that match. And again, if you're not, if you think of the Battle of Bramwell Lane, that rings a bell. We'll get on to that. It is one of the most famous games. It is uh, the only game we think uh, up until now that has had to be abandoned due to lack of players during a game. But Mark, you interviewed Eddie Wilsonholm, and that's coming up soon. You interviewed him by yourself, and I was publicly because <laughs> I got stuck on the motorway, so I couldn't get here in time to do it. But you interviewed Eddie, and um, yeah, what was he like? I did it all by myself, Rich. Put on my best presenter voice. First thing he said is, oh, you've not warmed him up very well. <laughs> it's <laughs> like Hour when, late. It's like when you let your kids go off to do something for the first You have to let go of them and let them flourish on their own. Well, we'll see. We'll see on the stretch of the interview, Rich. Um, but, but he was, he, you know, chatting about the Battle of Bramall Lane and that, and that infamous game. Yeah, it's good value, really good interview. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that later in the show. Also coming up, uh, Football Facts or Football Fiction, uh, where you guys will try and outfox me with a footballing fact, uh, two of which are totally made up and one of which is the truth. Can we... Uh, that's you and I listening, uh, work out which the actual one is. So we're talking uh, initially about Neil Warnock. Now, on the last episode, we were talking about shithouses, you know, and our favourite players that were just always in the ref's ear. And you, you love them if you're on your team, but if you don't, you can't stand them. And we thought we, we'd kind of like move that into managerial territory. But there have been plenty. It's not just Neil Warnock, but we are focusing on him today. Yeah, like you say, we were having a chat about it, and obviously we'd done it. We'd done a pod in the first series on Mourinho, who was the manager of Sheffield. We did one on Pulis, who was the Sheffield in a different way. You had Fergie man games and all that kind of stuff. But the absolute king of the manager of Sheffield is, is Neil Warnock. And in that montage which we played before, quite a few of those clips are from the documentary uh, when he was at Sheffield United. And the documentary, and this just kind of sums him up. It wasn't about you know Sheffield United going for the promotion or anything. It was just entitled Warnock. That just that just sets the tone for it. <laughs> if, if you're gonna have a documentary made about you, then you. <laughs> No, I, I want mine to be called Williams. You know, <laughs> otherwise, what's, what's the point? What's the point, exactly? exactly. Mickey, when, when you hear the words Neil Warnock, just what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, that's a good question. Anger, <laughs> fear, frustration. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what's great about the, the documentary? The, the, uh, I've seen it a, a few years ago. I remember it, it, it was great. But the recent um, comparisons with Pep. Yeah. <laughs> and that's great online. If you've, ever, if you've never seen that, check it out. And you've got Pep doing his thing and all cultured and like, and then Warnock just, fucking get into him. Get it up him. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's I've, no, I've noted down a quote from that because it sort of compares uh, Pep who's saying how... In, how uh, the locker room is the nicest place and how inclusive it is. And it cu- cuts to uh, Neil Warnock looking at an injured player during his team talk and he just says, go and get a bath, son. Get out of the way. You'll make me feel sick just looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> and he says it in such a calm voice to yeah. me as well. And the guy just skulks off. He's like, yeah. all right, gaffer. Oh, God. But the great thing is that when you think about it, is that how football has changed and those managers like Pep and that are totally different. But Neil Warnock has just always remained the same throughout. So there's a, there's a certain consistency about about the Warnockisms, you know. Yeah, and he's an old school manager, but he's, he's, he, 
there's not many of them left. It's quite a niche that he's got. It's just determination to be Neil Warnock at all times. And the start of that documentary starts from getting off a coach and he's getting a bit of stick at Millwall, I think, and he's getting <laughs> booze. And he says, thank you very much. She's usually a lot louder than that. And he loves it. He does absolutely love it. And he said, there's a brilliant quote from him about Bristol City, which is one of the many grounds where he always gets slated. And he says, when I pass away, I don't want clapping or a minute's silence. I want a minute's booing at Bristol City. I don't want silence. I want them all to be chanting, Warnock's a wanker over and over again <laughs> for a whole minute. That would be my idea. And that is him. And you get that as you're watching the documentary. He just does not give a shit what anyone thinks about him. And fair play to him. It starts in pre-season and he's, it's like Matlock or somewhere. So he's walk, walking around the stands just talking to fans. And there's a woman there uh, in the stand and he's talking about the new orange kit. And he says, you'll be wearing it, you. You'll be sticking them out like that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could see yeah. Mark right Mark now. He's pressed in there. He's, he's actually forward. sticking them out right now as he speaks. <laughs> exactly. I've got to do the action. He says, the fans want black shorts and I do. We're a better team with black shorts. And it's just like that. Another one, it might be a knob end in the 91st minute that wins it. That's just one of his, his pep talks. And <laughs> in the dressing room, there's a classic when he's shaking everyone's hand before a game and Chris Morgan says, we've got shit on my hands, gaffer. Right, I'll leave that one. <laughs> it's just, honestly, if you haven't seen it, it's 46 it's minutes. Great. It's absolutely brilliant. So it actually starts the first game of the season's nil-nil um, draw against Stoke at home. Then they beat Leeds 2-0. Later win... Uh, he always does that. Later yeah. win he at Allen Road. That. He always does it, doesn't Later he? win at Allen Road 4-0. I'm just, just putting out this mention <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, but he has them like, running into, into the sea at Scarborough in the mid-season. He's just, like I say, he's just committed to being Neil Warnock and old school and what I also love about it is between the games you see him at home with his wife and kids and stuff and he's got two young kids at the time he's feeding the ducks he goes to church speaking to the vicar you see him fishing and he's riding a tractor like fucking this is brilliant Neil Warnock is managing the Premier League and he goes around riding a tractor in his spare time you just can't ride that what a man uh, on that um, documentary the, the Millwall game that you talk about so I think they are they one nil down at half time, and it kicks off a little bit in in the tunnel, and it's it is Muscat who's involved in it. It's always Muscat. It's always Muscat because he, he even says he's a shit house in Muscat yeah. and, and that kind of thing. There's a great bit at the end of that game uh, where, where you saw this bit where they're all yeah, walking yeah, off because yeah. they turned the game round. They Sheffield United they went down to ten men, but they ended up winning it two one. And he comes off and it's like, but you know where players come off and the opposing manager kind of puts their arm around them a little bit as a little whisper in the ear. And you think I, I don't know whether you ever see that. You think they're sort of saying, I always think they're lining them up for a transfer. That's yeah, why I yeah, yeah. Sort of saying, oh, un- unlucky. So, you know, well, well done. You know, let, let's have a word in the summer, that kind of thing. He's got his around him and he's saying, you fucking deserve that for Muscat. And then the next one comes off and he goes, you deserve to lose that for Muscat. But he looks from the outset, if you can't hear yeah. what he's saying, but they've obviously picked it up on the microphone. Hard like luck, he's fella. A hard luck, fella. Yeah. <laughs> he's actually saying, you deserved it. And I just think that's good. Even at the end, they've got the head sound. But none of those, they obviously respect him because none of those players sort of nibble back. They're kind of no. like very forlorn looking and they just walk off going, yeah, we probably did. It was our own fault, but... Well, perhaps they've just got a degree of professionalism. It could be that. There are so many stories about him. Have you seen the um, uh, the Graham Paul extract that uh, that he did when he was talking about um, <laughs> Neil Warnock? There's the 2003 FA Cup semi-final when Sheffield United take on Arsenal at Old Trafford. This is the one where Graham Paul and, and Neil Warnock really sort of like, not came to blows physically, but came mm. to... Clashed, so to yeah. speak. Sheffield United lose that game 1-0 in pretty controversial fashion. And he says from the extract, Graham Paul, the afternoon's drama began when I didn't blow for a foul by Arsenal, Sol Campbell and Wayne Allison in the first half. My honest assessment was that the first challenge was a fair one. But later, the endless television replays convinced some people that there had been a foul. So he's made a bit of a ricket. Then Allison stays down in the game and nobody kicks the ball out, which is like a ref's 
I assume nightmare. Yeah. And he's yeah. Like, just a, a ref. Do me a favour. Kick the ball out. Please kick the ball out. <laughs> well, it's, it's head injury, isn't it? Otherwise, it's play on. Yeah, but, but it is. Game. Although that wouldn't have been the rule then, I guess, would it? It would have just been play on head injury or not. I would have guessed <laughs> yeah, back in 2003. That was a kind of newer, newer thing. And then the ball breaks in midfield towards Michael Tong, who kind of like turns round and accidentally he comes together with Graham Pohl and they both end up bashing into each other. The ball breaks to an Arsenal player and within about 30 seconds, Arsenal have gone and scored a goal. The best quote from this is Graham Pohl says, Warnock went into a vein popping, (laughs) apoplectic (laughs) frenzy and I made the mistake of smiling at half time. There's there's nothing worse than seeing a referee (laughs) smiling. No way. It's like, no, what what are you doing? I'm with Warnock on this one, to be fair. Yeah, I'm already siding with him. Graham Pohl, I mean, decent ref, but he's always... Every referee gets wrong decisions against your club, and you kind of hate most referees. Yeah. <laughs> and if a ref's smiling when you know the that they've made thing. a mistake, it's just, you feel you feel like you know they're picking on you, don't you? You feel yeah, like they're definitely it's personal. In the press conference, Neil Warnock says Paul was their best midfielder in the move for the goal. <laughs> <laughs> Paul loved every minute of it. You can just like imagine Warnock saying it as well. I don't know why they smile so much. You saw him coming off at half time, and at the end, he smiled so much. He obviously enjoyed that performance. And Neil Warnock um, retorted to what Graham Pollard said in this, this extract about him by saying, understandably, I was not happy and I told him so. However, in my experience, when I went to see Paul after a game, he was usually so far up his own backside, it was impossible to have any kind of conversation. He's the kind of manager, if he's not gone his way, he's not interested. It's saying what you're saying about, if you're injured, I don't want to see you. You know, It's that yeah. kind of mentality, isn't it? And that's what... That's what he's all about. But again, I just love that. I love the fact that that's a Premier League, wasn't a Premier League, a championship manager, talk about an FA Cup semi-final, writing in a national newspaper and saying he's up his backside. Yeah. Like, I just love that. We don't get that now. doesn't really realise why he doesn't have any mates in yeah. the, among referees and he's just slagging them off constantly. I mean, it's like you, you said, though, he's just so committed to being Neil Warnock. I can't help but respect that. Like <laughs> It's like... It's like Liam Gallagher's the best person in the world at being Liam Gallagher, yeah. or Kanye West is the best person in the world at being Kanye West. <laughs> Neil Warnock, no one is better at being Neil Warnock <laughs> than Neil Warnock. I don't what, like you, Neil, but God damn, do I respect yeah. you. <laughs> what, I wonder what it's like at home is like, you know, when he goes to church, is have a word with the priest if he gets like, fucking, that fucking, <laughs> fucking great speech. Hey, hey, father, father, top work, top work. <laughs> <laughs> On the documentary, his wife was saying like she just can't fathom that there's this character at the football and she referred to him as a character that is also the man she's married to and you know who goes out fishing and bobs about in his tractor at home and feeds the ducks with the kids and stuff so he's obviously just a proper Jekyll and Hyde figure when he gets out there yeah. he's just a complete tosser I mean, reckon, I mean how long do you reckon it takes him to calm down from a game do you know what I mean he, 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 I can, you can never imagine him calm him down <laughs> no. <laughs> no. you just see his face as, as soon as he, he like the interview cuts to him he's just got that look on his face of disgust like, oh well it's just, the, and it's it just the, the, the first word is the, ref, the referee was shit wasn't it like, that kind of thing and it, he must just drive home maybe, maybe, maybe he's got like his own little Tranquil ways of yeah. climbing down, like listening whale to music. dolphins or whales. Yeah. <laughs> Just get some, get, get some to his wife and he's, don't look at me. You'll make me feel sick if you look at me. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> get out the bath. <laughs> get out my bath. <laughs> You're making me feel sick. I mean, the thing about him is, and we, we should say at this point, you know, I mean, we're talking about a hugely successful manager, mm. more promotions than any other manager. You know, when, when Neil Warnock was announced that he was going to be the manager of Leeds United, okay, I was like, okay. 
but <laughs> great, we're probably going to get promoted. We're probably going to get Michael Tong at we're, 55 we're, years <laughs> old. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was a bit sort of like, okay, well, not pro- probably my favourite manager in the world, but on track record, great, you know, we're, we're going to go. It didn't work out that way for Leeds United, but for most of the clubs that he's been at, like hugely successful and a really good manager of getting the best out of his players and his squads and, and being successful as well. He yeah. does have a really good pedigree and you can understand why, you know, Leeds fans aside, he is loved or he was loved when he was there at certain clubs. I mean, I've, I've noted down a quote of his from 2002. It was at Sheffield United. There's an interview with The Guardian and they asked him, would he ever manage Sheffield Wednesday? Uh, and he replied, as long as the whole of my massive salary was paid within 28 days, then I would buy so many toss pots. Although come to think of it, their current squad would do and fuck them up so badly. Then I'd retire to Cornwall and spend the rest of my life laughing my head off. And that's <laughs> kind that of why I've got a, from him? That's an actual quote. I feel like that's a quote that if you had said, write a quote from him, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. then write down. Well, yeah. I, I saw it on Twitter and I was like, that can't be real. And then I Googled it. It's, like, it's in an interview with The Guardian. And you can imagine as a Sheffield United fan, if you read that, you would absolutely love him. Yeah. The problem as a Leeds fan is that he came to Leeds and that's basically what he did. Yeah, <laughs> and he came, rocked up, signed El Juve. And fucked us up and then went back to Cornwall. And yeah, sad load of ageing players as well. From, it just took half that Sheffield United team. Yeah, it? It just, oh, you, you guys could do a job when you're 38, I'm sure, in the Championship. But, and also, it did come back to bite him because uh, I think it was after he left Leeds, actually. Sheffield Wednesday did consider appointing him and the fans revolted and basically dragged up this quote and just like, you cannot you hire this guy. There are some things you can't come back yeah. from and a quote like that, you're not going to like return. It's easy to forget when you look at him and look at his face because he has, I mean, he's <laughs> got those faces Uh-oh. that you just want to, you want to, you, you just kind of want to slap him, don't you? Slap <laughs> face but yeah, and the way he looks he's, he's a multi-millionaire yeah and it's hard to take that in sometimes isn't it if you walked into the room now that that man is a he's a multi-millionaire he's got a proper souped up tractor yeah, yeah. Leather, yeah. leather stitching interior it's lovely <laughs> he's got, really he's, he nice. buy, he's, he's probably got multiple tractors <laughs> i mean he's got these like really weird just quirks and he, and he he just lives them though which again i just can't help but admire like we've chatted about cornwall i've gone back and i've noticed like Basically, every club he's been uh, in charge of, their first pre-season friendlies every summer are in Cornwall. <laughs> True, right? Yeah, and, and it's like everyone goes for a barbecue on the beach. And I, But I noticed, like, when he got Cardiff promoted, their pre-season, prior to, you know, trying to prepare for the Premier League, obviously massive underdogs, their pre- start their pre-season, they play Taftswell, who, I don't know, <laughs> 3-0, Tavistock, 6-0, Bodmin Town, 11-1. And it's like, how has no one, you know, you're in, you're in the Premier League, you're awash with all this money. How has no one in charge of Cardiff just gone, Neil, can we just prepare by playing like... Uh, Decent like, days. Yeah, professional outfits. Maybe maybe, maybe that would help. I don't or know. Maybe, you, and as well, you've got to remember, right, there's, it's a massive business. They've got loads of money. They could go abroad and play anywhere. Most teams go and play somewhere luxurious. Yeah. Got, I've got a great idea. We're going to go to Cornwall. Yeah. So, uh, uh, who's this? They let a goal against Bodmin Town. Town yeah. Bodmin Town. I mean, come on, that's crap. Like, come on, though, lads. You can stay at mine, don't worry. Yeah, what beach like? Oh, it'd be lovely, lovely. <laughs> Take somewhere really exotic, Cornwall. And for a manager of such controversy, I guess it was fitting that he would be involved in one of the most controversial games of the noughties, the Battle of Bramall Lane. And if you're wondering, that sounds familiar, but what exactly happened? Let's refresh your memory. I've been in football now since I was 16. I'm 42 now. I've never seen anything uh, anything like that. It's a handball outside the area of which there is no question. And I wonder if a red card is on its way. It is. There are a few players left on, enough to finish the game. I've been telling you about running battle that uh, may be in the mind of George Santos and would you believe it George Santos has been sent off and has the referee sent off Patrick Sufo it looked as though he's gone as well now would you believe it two substitutes brought on 
have just been sent off within, what, 90 seconds of entering the field. The two players, Santos and Sufo, will no longer play for Sheffield United again. They're, they're transfer listed. Rob Olathorne being carried off, Michael Brown having hobbled off too. But he had a groin in the first half, Michael, and he should have come off half-time, but because we were losing 1-0, he wanted to come on. Sheffield United down to six players, and the referee, by the letter of the law, forced to abandon the game. I was absolutely infuriated with the stuff that I was hearing. Everybody's heard it, everybody knows what was going on on that line. There's been a lot of accusations which, if at the right time, we will take, because there's a lot of things we've not been happy today. I wouldn't imagine Gary will be having a drink with me tonight now, but not many managers do. So there you go, the Battle of Bramall Lane, the only game in the history of English football to have been called off because of a lack of players. And right at the centre of it is Neil Warnock. I mean, West Brom are going for promotion here. The game doesn't really matter for Sheffield United, doesn't it? They're sort of like in mid-table mediocrity. They're not going down, they're not going up. It's towards the back end of the season. So there's no reason for it to be anything other than just a regular game. It does maybe slightly matter to Warnock in the fact that it's against his old adversary, Gary Megson. One of. Well, one of many, I suspect, (laughs) yeah. But, I mean, the quote we've got here, uh, the two managers I really dislike are Stan Turner and Gary Megson. The old saying that I would, wouldn't piss on them if they were on fire applies, which is pretty, uh, pretty you know, he's not holding back. Again, back. this is a real-life manager. Yeah. <laughs> a human professional in the yeah. industry. Football. But, it's it, you know, the game starts off with Sheffield United's goalie getting sent off in, in the ninth minute. So they're down to uh, they're down to 10 men then. West Brom go 1-0 up. Uh, nothing, hap- nothing happens in the game after that, really, until the 60-odd minutes. West Brom go 2 up. And then Warnock decides to just kind of I guess, put a bit of impetus in the game by making this double substitution. Uh, Santos and uh, Patrick Sufo come on. And then there's this great bit in there with the, the, the commentator where the commentator basically says, uh, talks about the history between Santos and Johnson, who's playing for West Brom at the time, which is, the, was it the season before Johnson had kind of elbowed him in yeah. the phrase? He'd ended up with a plate. It was and, nasty. Yeah. yeah. It was really um, Santos ends up with a, a sort of fractured cheekbone or whatever and a, and a plate in there. So the the commentator does that classic thing of back in the day where they'd add, clearly they must have added in the commentary afterwards say it'll be interesting to see what the first tackle looks like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here like they that, are coming together, as you, as you heard, and then boom, in, in he goes. And I mean, it, the tackle is it's a bad awful end. tackle, yeah. isn't it? It's kung fu, isn't it? When Michael Brown is saying that's a bad tackle, you know it's a bad <laughs> yeah. tackle. That's the benchmark yeah. for knowing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a straight red card. Suddenly they're down to ten men, and then there's this melee which kind of ensues straight afterwards. All the players are involved, but it, it's Sufo who's right in the centre of there, and he's sent off as well. And within 90 seconds of two substitutes coming on for Sheffield United, <laughs> they've both been sent off, and Sheffield United are down to eight men. Like It's proper Sunday league, though, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's just absolute chaos in shoes. And, yeah. and you can tell like nobody really knows what they're meant to do. <laughs> like, And I think even the fans are just like, what is happening? I don't, this isn't meant to happen in professional football. I think Michael Brown said, I didn't realise it's such a bad tackle, but surely most people are saying, Jesus Christ, he's going to cut him in half there. What are the Chef United players angry about? Why, <laughs> why are they fighting? Yeah, why, is he, yeah, why is he getting involved? Like, yeah, it's like it's weird, isn't it? But I think that like if you're playing for Warnock, he, he must wind you up. I he, think he, I agree he's with a you very on that. aggressive yeah. character. So you can imagine like if like Pellegrini was managing really calm, yeah. and you, want, you, know, you wouldn't want to go on there and and, and and beat someone up. But if, if you know if you've got Warnock, fucking get on there, yeah, yeah. Yeah. fucking smash it. Why didn't you? Them. Why didn't you stick up for the lads? You know yeah, why? Why were you it. watching? You know what? sometimes when you see the players that you think why are they getting involved and you think maybe it's because they're a little bit of a fear of if I'm the one to be seen that's not involved yeah. in it it's not going to reflect when very well they've just gone 2-0 down and Michael Brown says he he, he felt at the time Warnock's put him on to get a reaction 
liven the spirits a bit, get them going. And they certainly did that. <laughs> Fair play. At that point, they're down to eight men. West Brom go 3-0 up. And then there's these two injuries. Michael Brown has said um, that he'd been tearing into tackles all over the show and couldn't believe that he hadn't got, <laughs> hadn't got sent off, really. And then he literally drags McInnes, who's at the centre of everything, because it was him who had the headbutt on him from Sufo. Simon um, scored a brilliant second goal, which is amazing. Like, yeah. Keith Curl had, had smacked him, and the ref had missed that. And then Michael Brown pulls him down like in a headlock almost, drags him down by his head. And he's, he's been carrying a hernia injury and it, and, it, and it goes when he does it. And he's like, oh, fuck, I can't go on. And it's brilliant because you see him go over to the ref. He, he speaks to Neil Warnock on the side first and says, Gaffer, I'm, I'm fucked up, what am I going to do? Then he goes over to the ref and then you just see him walking off like, what the hell's going on here? And then there's the final nail in the coffin uh, for the, the Battle of Bramall Lane, uh, which is that uh, Rob Ollathorne's hamstring goes. Three minutes after Michael Brown's injury, they're down, just, they're, yeah. they're, they're down six men. If you have less than seven players state the rules, you, you can't play. The referee, Eddie Wilson, home, you'll hear from him in just a moment, has no option other than to call the game off with a few minutes to go. West Brom are 3-0 up. And were the players kind of like, was it verified that they were injured then? Michael Brown spoken about this and said that the, the Monday afterwards, they went to see like an independent, like not club, but like an independent doctor to show that they were genuine injuries. Because obviously the talk was, wait a minute, you're 3-0 you're down here or whatever, you're down to eight men, they're not really injured, you've been told to come off. That, that was the sort of talk around it. And certainly straight after the game, when you hear some of Gary Megson's kind of comments and stuff, that is the suggestion. They go to independent doctors and get independently verified that they are genuine injuries, but, you know. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly enough, in the, in the year 2000, I was involved in a reverse of this game. We, uh, we were playing in Pontefract, Sunday League, uh, and we started with seven men. <laughs> <laughs> because, because two lads were in the car on the way down. And it just come, so because, because the rules state no less than seven, yeah, yeah, they, they actually made, they went, well, do you know what? You can do this. <laughs> went, all right. So we started with seven men. We played 3-3. Three, three. Right, and I was playing midfield. <laughs> I played centre midfield up front and attack both wings as well. The complete the weird, forward, yeah, the complete <laughs> forward and midfielder. But the weird thing Worth is, about thirty mil. Yeah, the, well, the team we were playing still played four at the back. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Keep so, it tight, so lads. We actually we had we had we had two of our lads come on after about twenty five minutes, and it was one all. And then we had nine. We were literally one all. Yeah, I scored twice. We, we drew the game three all. And by the by, the, and somewhere when we got to ten men just before half time, and then after about, and then second half, we actually got the eleventh came on because it, it just just a bit late. And then I think by the end of the game, we, now, we even had a substitute. And turned up. <laughs> this, is, this is great. You managed to draw three all. There were seven of you to start with. <laughs> while, the 11th. While, while there were seven players on the pitch on our, from from our team, they were playing a four. Or two, right? <laughs> so we had, so they had two. Mike, Mike Bassett in charge. It was, it was basically two strikers against three defenders, which is manageable. Fullbacks and not then, allowed to bomb on. <laughs> the fullbacks didn't bomb on. That's the thing. I remember, I remember looking at them thinking, "What are you doing?" It was a battle in midfield between three against four, which we kind of got on top of them a little bit, you know. And I, and I was a pretty good player. I was, I was playing below my standards. So yeah, it was. It was we, we ended up drawing the game three all. We were, we were, I think we were two one up at one stage as well. It's incredible. We threw, threw a lead away. So yeah, <laughs> threw it away, <laughs> mate. You should easily have got to three all. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's it. That's it. There's no excuses. Um, let's let's hear from from the man uh, who was at the centre of the storm, I guess, on that day. The referee from the Battle of Bramall Lane. This is what happened when Mark caught up with Eddie Wilson home. Eddie. 
Eddie, welcome to the Broken Match Sarsal. Thanks for coming on. No problem at all. The previous season, Andy Johnson had broke um, George Santos's jaw when he was playing for uh, for Nottingham Forest. Were you aware of that going into this game, and were there any other reasons that you might have thought this might be a bit of a feisty one today? I was aware of that, yes. And after I'd sent the goalie off in seven minutes, I never thought any more. But when the two substitutes come on, and the first tackle by Santos in on Johnson, it was just uh, didn't take me by surprise because it was such an easy decision. Because I've never seen a challenge like it. <laughs> it was a bit of so, a nasty one, wasn't it? Then when I'm stood inside of McInnes and Seafall come across and Ed butted McInnes, I thought crimes there's going to be me and me because three 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 substitutes have all been used and there's three already off. I actually felt inside it was going to be difficult to try and finish the game but hopefully I was going to get through it Oh really that's it and you actually missed Keith Curl throwing a punch at Derek McInnes as well I think Thanks very much I didn't miss it <laughs> I cautioned him actually Oh did you? I did caution, I beg your pardon. I cautioned Keith Curl Yeah I didn't know he would punch actually you've told me something I haven't seen so I'll have to look at that but right. I did caution Keith Curl for something on McInnes I should have who I speak to quite regularly Michael Brown uh, I should have actually sent him off for a second yellow card on a pullback on McInnes on the halfway line. And Michael Brown uh, does remind me of it every now and then. <laughs> but the thing is that I was trying to get the game finished and hopefully I could get through it. And then he went off injured. That's interesting that you say that. So when that ball was going on, that melee was going on, you realised straight away, hang on, this, this game's in danger. And you were thinking straight away, I don't really want to be sending anyone else off. It didn't, it just didn't feel right. The temperature had rose so much after that. And you've got Derek McInnes with a bandage around his head after being head-butted. And you've got Sufo off and they'd both been there, main Santos. And they'd only both been on the field of play less than a minute when they both got sent off. It was the first challenge he made. When so, you say something didn't feel quite right, Eddie, what, what, what do you mean by that? Did, did sabotage? Well, I'd, set, I'd, I'd sent the goalkeeper off after about nine minutes and ball outside box then when they them two went the atmosphere between the players at that moment in time when it was just so bad I'm just thinking this is going to be tough to get through this and finish it just didn't feel right because the animosity like they had to pull back about four players had told back the centre off uh, Darren Miller and West Brom stopping getting to them and they, about four of the players his own players grabbed him to stop him getting involved because he was so incensed by what had happened. You just didn't feel, like I said, the atmosphere had just gone up and it was every challenge. The crowd was up because they were at home, Sheffield United. So I got the famous song that I were a banker, which I'm not. <laughs> so that was constant. So you just had that feeling something wasn't right. And he's so, Michael Brown has said himself, like, like you say, he'd been tearing them to tackle, thought he was going to be sent off. What did he say when he, when he, I think he did a hernia and he comes over to you in the, min, in the middle of the park. What does he say to you? You know, I've got to go off, I can't continue. He just, he just said he couldn't continue and went off injured. And what's your thought process at that time? Because you, you're then realising, okay, we're one. Well, I'm realising there's only one more. Yeah. I'm thinking I've got problems here. <laughs> so hopefully just get through it. Were there any thoughts going through your mind with, with, with Michael Brown that he might not be injured that into your head or do you just have to take him on face value? I just took it on first view. I didn't didn't even consider that. And then three minutes later, same again. Rob Ullathorne, hamstring, walks off. Yeah, and I, I did tell him, I said, if you go off, you do know this game is abandoned. And they said he can't carry on. I said, well, that's it then. So it was 83rd minute. We finished. And I think it's the latest I've got on from Sheffield. I think I arrived on about 10 o'clock. My daughter was a teenager then. And I got home, nobody else. 
and the absolute, it was like somebody bombed the place. I couldn't believe when a mess she'd left it. So I was more steaming about that, to be honest, because there was nothing I could do about the other circumstances. Like you say, it was out of your hands. There were certainly no decisions in there that anyone could possibly have disagreed with. In the immediate no. aftermath, I mean, did Gary Megson come and speak to you? Did Neil speak to you? I mean, did you realise you were the first referee to, to abandon a game in these circumstances? At the time, no, I didn't even I didn't even notice. I didn't think about it. I have to admit, when I was in the dressing room after the assessor come in, and I nearly drowned myself, because he did tell me why I didn't bath that I'd missed a caution on Michael Brown. And he should have been sent off, and I thought, brilliant. I've just had World War Three on me. I mean, I've just been told I've missed a caution, which he did tell me. We laugh about it now because I know him quite well. And uh, the aftermath after the game, I got a phone call from a newspaper. Within 10 minutes, the game finished offering to buy the story on it if I didn't speak to anybody else, which I refused straight away, obviously for other reasons, because I didn't think it was credible to do anything like that. And obviously, I wanted to carry on my career as well. You're waiting for us 20 years on, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have paid me what they were going to pay me. True. <laughs> <laughs> they offered me money for it. And I said, no, thanks. <laughs> and then the phone calls were just non-stop. It was mainly the next two or three days after with the press, media. I was getting phone calls at silly hours. That was the uh, interesting. Gary Megson did phone me three days after. He was fantastic saying, oh, yeah, we know it weren't your fault, this and that. And you mentioned that the referee assessor was there in the day. Obviously, there was no comeback on you because I believe you were you refereed Sheffield Wednesday next week. Yeah, it was quite funny because on uh, the Monday, the fixtures always come out on a Monday. And I got the fixtures on the Monday and I went at Sheffield Wednesday, Plymouth on a Friday night on a TV game. And it's the first time in my career that I've been out in warm-up and got a standing ovation. I've never <laughs> had that before. Don't you usually get... Sometimes get a bit of abuse or banter, but you don't often get a st- And it's the first time it's ever happened to me. And I don't think it must probably happen to me again after it. Did it happen at the end of the game now, Eddie? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> On the end of the start. No, I didn't. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so, so much for taking us back to just a, a brilliant 2000s uh, memory for all of us, really. It's just great to speak to you. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks very much. Cheers, Eddie. All Bye now. Bye. Bye. So there you go, Eddie Wilson Homer, the centre of the Battle of Bramwell Lake. Uh, n- nice chap to talk to Mark, and, and like interesting to get his take on what had happened that day from a referee's point of view of just like, oh my god, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, good interview that wasn't it? It was. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> it was. It was really good. Do you, Thanks, do, you can do them all by yourself. If yeah, you want. that's fine. Yeah, not not a problem. What I liked about it is how sort of matter of fact about it. Yeah. he was, and uh, you know, yeah, sent him off, and yeah, I thought it might have been for a bad game. You know, even. Though we're talking about it on a podcast twenty years later, it's not. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal for him. It was just, you know, another game, and the next game he refed again, and more annoyed about his daughter messing up a room. I think when, <laughs> when he got, home. I wasn't in a bad mood till I got home, and then I saw that, and I was bloody fuming. My my favorite bit of that interview was his description of being in the bath after the game in the referee's room and the assessor comes in. Firstly, can't the assessor wait till he's out not, of the bath? Not, not. <laughs> <Just, laughs> I just got an idea from there. Oh, I've had a right stressful game. Pop, can, drop a bath bomb in, will you? Just nice, a few candles around it, just trying to de-stress. That's and the assessor, so calm. That's exactly in the assessor. And I'm, guessing, comes in, I'm guessing at some stage he's got Gary Megson knock banging on the door. Oh, ref, ref, ref. Lads, I just, want, I just want a bubble bath. That's <laughs> what, and the, the assessor's coming in just like, and you've missed a yellow card. But then again, you mentioned to him that he'd missed... Uh, Missed what should have been a red card in there, didn't he? Yeah, so uh, it, was, that, it wasn't 
massively happy about that either. <laughs> but yeah, just to sort of add insult to injury, yeah, you missed another one as well. So do you get assessed straight after the game as a referee? I think if the game was do, like yeah. that, clearly, yeah, you, you, yeah. There's, there's not much. <laughs> Can we have time a chat, Eddie? It's more just a bit of counselling, I think, for him after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's Graham Paul just smiling at him. Yeah, we're going to have an assessment here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. But you know, in terms of Neil Warner, you've got a great story, Robert. But you know, it kind of sums him up pretty well, don't you? Well, I, th- I think he deserves credit for being such an obviously old school manager, and he's still carried on into the modern era. And, and you know. It, when he was in charge of Leeds, it wasn't the fondest of times, shall we say. But there is one story which it was a, it was a pretty dismal season when he was in charge of Leeds, and we drew, we drew Birmingham in the FA Cup third round. So not a particularly a glamour tie. They were in the Championship then. What's for Birmingham? <laughs> <laughs> and we were playing them away from home first. And I think Leeds fans are always very sceptical about the amount of time he spent in Cornwall. And, yeah. he, and he actually missed this game. He listened to the game on the radio, and that's how he managed the team. And at half time. <laughs> He made he made he made halftime subs after listening to the game on the radio. Didn't hear your name often. Couldn't hear your name mentioned very often. And he, um, <laughs> you're making me sick. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he and he, he wrote an independent column about it. And the, and the maddest thing is like the halftime subs worked. Like we were one nil down. <laughs> we were one nil down, and and we got it back to one all and got a replay. And we we won the replay and. and beat Tottenham in the next round, which is probably like his, his best day as Leeds manager. But um, he had an independent column around this time and. I honestly think this should be made into like a collection of of, uh, <laughs> of columns because they are they're such good value and it's just so Alan Partridge like the wittering he goes on it and I've copied this down and it's it's a fifteen hundred word column that he went on about and he's obviously must have heard the criticism of and the suspicions that he was just at home in Cornwall and he goes on for ages about how ill he was as, as you may have heard I missed our FA Cup tie against Birmingham City last week because of illness. As far as I can recall, it's the first match I've missed since I was managing Notts County 20 years ago, which shows you how bad I felt. It takes a lot to keep a manager away from his team, but for a few days last week, football was the least of my worries. I was only interested in my health. I'm glad to report I've been back at training this week and will be at Barnsley today, but the fact we've had a couple more lads go down shows the bug isn't out of our camp yet. He continues... You forget how important your good health is until you feel really unwell. <laughs> and you don't really appreciate how illness takes over until you're suffering yourself. I certainly realise now why a couple of lads had no chance of playing this weekend and why a couple have no chance of being at Oakwell. I know I'm always saying what that we men of softies and women would plough on through our illnesses, <laughs> but I can tell you that this was a lot worse than the usual man flu. Just say you're ill, Neil, it's fine. What are you, what are you going on about? He goes on further and he talks about Wolves appointing Dean Saunders and what a great man uh, appointment that is, which is... Uh, I think he might Prophetic. have got that wrong. But even in, even in that, he goes back to talk about how ill he was. He's, uh, Dean's a very funny man. Put him on stage and he'd be up there with Peter Kay and Michael McIntyre, in brackets, whose DVD, a Christmas present from the kids, kept me going while I was bedridden. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's just so partridge. If just, ever, just to recap, I was, I was, I was very Ill. ill yeah. he's, got, um, he's gone from being ill to being bedridden yeah. as well, which is like quite a dramatic sort of <laughs> stage of ill. Bedridden, but still listening to the radio and making substitutions. Just admit, Neil, you couldn't be asked. You couldn't be asked, guy. No, he's sat on the beach in Cornwall, rain sodden. <laughs> look at this. Bloody fantastic interview. <laughs> who, who, who's there watching Bodmin Town just scouting yeah, for the pre-season? Yeah, who was that lad who scored? Crack of that. <laughs> OK, let's uh, let's finish off today with a bit of football fact or football fiction. Mark, Mickey and Rob uh, all have uh, three uh, statements to make. Only one of them is a fact. The other two are totally made up. They are football fiction. Can you and I work out which one is the fact from the fiction? My record at this is worse than Neil Warnock's record at Leeds United. Um, so we're going to start today with Mickey. What have you got? Neil Warnock used to help delivery men get big deliveries into clubs he was at because he said he used to be a delivery man in his first contract, 16 to 18, and who knows how it feels. 
Oh, so he used Man to physically. Oh, I see what you mean. I thought yeah. you meant he used to like uh, 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 make it in. happen. Yeah, I didn't know what you meant. <laughs> oh no, okay, he used to right. get the deliveries like in. Like contract. I also yeah. thought you meant nightclub when you first started. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, so he they used to there'd be a big delivery of footballs, for example, in huge boxes, and Neil was like, "Let me come and give you a hand. I know what it's like. I'm one of you. I'm one of the, I'm one of the people. I used to do this for a job as well. Yeah, basically, Mark Neil Warnock has worked in a lot of different jobs as a football manager. He's a qualified referee. Delivery driver. Delivery driver. <laughs> or not. Chiropodist. Shut up. Shut up. And Undertaker. He worked uh, as an Undertaker once. Wait a minute, which part of this? is was just finishing off the that, job. Hold on a second, which take, part of this is the statement? It. Are you saying, is it the Chiropodist part? It's all true. Or is it the... It, it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's Chiropodist and Undertaker are yeah. other jobs he's had. Correct. He was only Undertaker once. What, what happened? Was it, <laughs> the, <laughs> he was the Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, Paul Barrow walking in by his side. <laughs> as, it, as, as, as the style went on, the fuck off, you're making me sick. <laughs> <laughs> you're making me sick. Neil, Neil he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> he's no fucking use to me now. Yeah. Get him you, out. You stink. You're making me sick. Rob. <laughs> this so, went really, that took a really dark turn. <laughs> so, uh, so going back to uh, Warnock's spiritual home of Cornwall, uh, when he was manager of Sheffield United, his giant commute meant that by his own calculations, he once spent over two grand a year on uh, coffee and Cornish pasties. Oh, just on, on the commute and just eating on, on the, the service way. stations. Yeah, it's expensive grubbing it in two service stations. Two grand a year on expenses. So, uh, Mickey, you're saying he used to be a delivery man, so he used to help the delivery men. Uh, Rob, you're saying the c- commute cost over £2,000 just in pasties and coffee. Yeah, never mind the fuel. And uh, Mark, you are saying that he was an undertaker and a chiropodist. <laughs> Sorry, it's just so ridiculous. But the thing is, every time I say Mark's is ridiculous, it ends up being the fact. So now I'm like really like not quite sure. I just want to just drill down here, Rob, into what you were saying about the actual costs here. Just give me those facts again. He used to travel over how long a period? Uh, well, he's manager of Sheffield United, however long he was there. It's a good few years, wasn't it? Okay, but, and he was six. coming up from court. Mm-hmm. So how many times a week? Uh, I Did mean, he do I don't want to cast on how, how hard he was working at Sheffield United. <laughs> uh, Let's say it was three times yeah, a week. Yeah, three times a week. Okay. And, it, and you know, He gets a coffee and a pasty, one, yeah. one, maybe one pasty and two coffees. Or maybe two pasties even. I don't let's call know. it it's a tenner. Let's call it a tenner. You're saying £2,000. That's 200 commutes. Yeah, that's easily done. Yeah, I think it's not enough money. I'm discounting you. Based on mathematics. Nice pun as well. Discount. It may be. That's Because he's probably getting. He'd be looking for discounts every time, wouldn't he? Every time. I'm not getting that. It's three ninety nine, And he's probably getting them from Cornwall. So, you know, it's a local delicacy. The cheaper down there. Stop poo pooing. Maybe three times a week was been a bit generous. I don't know. I have drilled down into your fact with mathematical proof, and I'm discounting you. And that is my right as the decision maker here on Football 5 Football Fiction. Delivery drive between when he was six. 16 and 18. Yeah, when his first contract was there, you did get a load of money, did you? So, What kind of deliveries was he helping bring it just, into the... It just said delivery driver, don't know. Pasties and coffee. <laughs> Discounted <laughs> pasties. <laughs> Is that, what's that discount? Is, get him in here. And Mark, you are saying that he was an undertaker. I'm doing last minute research here because I know you're going to ask me questions and I have to end the answers. Yeah, it just... Sorry, we, well, can't you just do your research? But why do you well, always leave it to that? It's just more fun, isn't it? Okay. Um, yeah, go on. Tell me so, some research about him being an undertaker. It's not research and that so much, but obviously, <laughs> unless you go through the ranks of an, an academy or whatever, you've got to work. Um, he started out at, at Chesterfield so, as a player. 
And before that, he just did a few jobs. And obviously, he's a little bit of a, a quirky character, should we say, Neil. And rather than, you know, go and work in the supermarket or whatever, he thought, I'd do something a little bit different. Chiropodist and, uh, yeah, an undertaker. I've already discounted <laughs> you, Rob. Mark, I'm worried about doing this because you always seem to have the one that's the fact. I'm discounting you just because I don't think he's got the temperament for it. What, it, undertaker? But he's he a very, got, he's he a very got, sort of he's straight not, to the point and No, no, you need to be a people man. person for that. You need no, to be he's, able not, to do- he's not customer facing. He's, not no. he's, he's behind the scenes. He's doing the bombing. You know, yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could just see him correctly. So what was he like then? Yeah, he looked like a bit of a dickhead. That's it. I could say. He definitely couldn't have been customer face. I'm discounting you. I'm going to say that having discussed for in great detail about uh, his temperament and uh, how, how he wasn't necessarily always the nicest person to everyone he came across. I'm, I'm going to put that aside and I'm going to say that when it came to the delivery men, he was a nice bloke and he helped them with the deliveries. You, you could see it happening, couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, he definitely could. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I, I just made that up. Oh, no. I can't, I can't believe it's Mark. I can't believe it. It's going to have to be Rob. I'm afraid this too is false. Uh-huh. He was the Undertaker. <laughs> that's amazing. And a chiropodist, that's also true. Is that actually true? Yeah. I don't know if you made that up. No. He was an Undertaker. Yeah. I don't, I, I genuinely did try and do some research there and I can't find what he did, but he worked for an Undertaker. There you go. The amazing things you... Life of Neil Life of Neil (laughs) And on that note, uh, this episode was brought to you by our friends at Football Index, the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money. Sign up today at footballindex.co.uk. Use the code TBMINDEX to trade with a £500 money-back guarantee. New customers only, 18 plus. And you can contact us, of course, by emailing contact at planetfootball.com. Mickey, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. Rob, Mark, as always, been lovely. Cheers. We're all off to Google. Neil... Warnock Undertaker (laughs) and uh, we'll see you next time on the Broken Metatarsal